Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Com Report wherever you get your podcast. You're watching on YouTube, like button, subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated. In a minute, I'm going to get to my roundtable discussion with three of the other beat reporters, with Sam Fortier from the Washington Post, Matthew Paris from the Washington Times, and Pete Haley from NBC Sports Washington. I wanted to bring them on. I had them on before the season, if you recall. And just to kind of go over the entire season, some predictions, some thoughts, et cetera. Well, we're kind of revisiting that during the bye week, or what was it? we taped it on Friday. So just to get an update on everything, where they think the season's at, what do they think for the next four games? You know, some thoughts on the quarterback play, on the defense, on the run game, all this stuff. So we talked for a good half hour about all this stuff. So I think you'll enjoy it. Now, before I get there, a couple of things. One, you can follow these these guys on Twitter. It's at Pete Haley, NBCS, and it's H-A-I-L-E-Y, at Sam4TR, the number 4TR. And then Matthew Paris, it's at Matthew underscore Paris, P-A-R-A-S. Give them a follow. Anyways, stick with me for one minute because I got a couple updates here and then we'll get right to the conversation. First of all, Senator Tyler Larson was placed on injury reserve on, on Monday. And, it, and so his season's over. And this is, I think I told you that it certainly did not look good that he went and got a second opinion. The issue is he's got a torn meniscus. He's going to have to have that repaired. And also I was told some other things to clean up, whatever that is, but that's the extent of it. So it's actually okay for him, except that, He's done for the season. So bad for Washington. So how do they replace him? We still don't know yet. My guess would, my, my guess, my um, thought would be if it was up to me, I'd go with West with West Schweitzer because of his strength inside the run blocking ability. Don't know yet what they'll do because they may opt for Nick Martin. He's got more experience at center. Clearly, he started a lot more games than than West Schweitzer, who has primarily been a guard in in this in in the NFL. So we'll see what they do, but we'll find out more on Wednesday when we're back out at the facility. On Tuesday, the players return. They have a walkthrough, not open to the media. So there you go. So we'll find out more on Wednesday. I'm hoping to find out more before that point, but we'll see. If not, we'll we'll let you know on, on Wednesday. Also, um, the other thing, Carson Wentz activated off injured reserve. Again, not a surprise. He's been practicing, would have been active Act on the active list um, a week and a half ago or for the first Giants game had he not come down with an illness. So when he comes back, it's been made clear that he will be the backup to Taylor Heineke, but he is back. And for those wondering about that, the the draft pick, the compensation, we're past the point where he's going to be able to play 70% of the snaps unless – there's some some no they're they're past it like the I kind of did the math today the the average number of snaps per game has been around 68 you multiply that times four 
and then you add it to his total from earlier in the year, and he's he's at closest he gets to is about fifty percent. So they're going to keep that that second round pick, give up a third round pick this year. So that's the other thing. Then of course the playoff race, and I think you you should know this by now because you're Commanders fans. That's why you're here. But they are obviously in charge in, in control of their playoff fates now because of everything, how everything went Sunday, and it went well for them. Seattle losing, the Giants losing. So now the Commanders are in the sixth playoff spot. And really, when you kind of look at the remaining schedules, if they go two and two and win on Sunday, I think I don't see I don't see the Giants doing better than two and two over the next four weeks. The Giants have Washington, Minnesota, Indianapolis, and then the Eagles again. Now that last game, the Eagles will probably have it all clinched. So they may be resting their starters. The same could be true with Washington and Dallas. Dallas may have their playoff fate completely determined. So there's no gain for them to play their starters possibly. So that would be, you know, you would look and you would think that Washington would win that game. And you would think the Giants would beat the Eagles in that situation. So we'll kind of give it there. But so really to me, whoever wins that game, this game on Sunday is certainly in the driver's feet for that playoff spot. And I still like Washington this one, but we'll look into more of that as the week goes on. I'll have my keys and predictions for um, Friday slash Saturday. And I've been digging into watching the game, looking at the red zone offense, all sorts of stuff. But I'll, I'll update you that later in the week. So anyway, that's it. And by the way, when you look at Seattle's remaining playoff games, or excuse me, remaining games, it's 49ers, Chiefs, Jets, and then the LA Rams. So could they go better than two and two? Sure. But if they go two and two and both Washington and the Giants go two and two, well, then Seattle's out of luck because that tie actually then benefits Washington and Seattle because the Seahawks, excuse me, Washington, the Giants, because the Seahawks right now are seven, six, they go two and two, nine and eight. You know the math. I think you're smart enough to figure that out. So anyway, Washington's in a good spot, but they have to beat the Giants. So with all that said, and in mind, let's get to my conversation with the beat reporters with three of the other beat reporters for the commanders, Sam Forday from the Washington Post, Matthew Paris from the Washington Times, and Pete Haley from NBC Sports, Washington. Enjoy. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Fellas, thanks for coming back. It was a big hit last time we did this before the season. And Sam, I appreciate you eating breakfast while we're doing this. So thanks a lot. I appreciate No problem. That. Breakfast in the club. There you go. There you go. And then Matt Parrish showing up. I said this was black tie optional. And he's got not only the black tie, but in honor of me, he's got a three-quarter zip shirt or sweater on. And that's, you know, because apparently that's all I wear. But I will admit, I do like him. So thank you. And Pete, you're just you're just a good dude. So thanks. For I me. just I just show up on time and I'm ready to talk commanders. I don't like do all this extra stuff. There you go. That, that is, just, 
I would say real quick, that is the most opposite of our personalities that he's the one without a bit. <laughs> and that is probably very true. That is probably very true. So, but I do want to get, you know, it's funny because usually you do those things, these buys, most, most teams get them around mid season. We're getting them after like what three quarters of the season is already played. So some of this stuff is a little bit difficult, but I did kind of want to reassess where you guys feel everything is at going down into the final four games and has a season, I'll just start with this because we talked about this before the season, has a season played out to this point kind of the way maybe you thought it might? If I remember correctly, I think we all picked between seven and ten wins, and it Correct. looks like we are on track to hit that to hit that number. Correct. How we how we got here is absolutely not how I expected. I didn't think we'd see so much of Taylor Heineke, but uh the defense being better, I think some of those things uh made sense. And so even though it hasn't been the smoothest ride, particularly to to have Ron Rivera start slow and then, you know, kind of pick it up in the second half of the season, that I think is a very foreseeable thing. So it doesn't make sense how we got here, but that we are makes sense. What about you, P? What do you think? I was expecting this to be a really offensive-led team with Carson Wentz and Jahan and Curtis and Terry um, and, you know, throwing the ball to Gibson. So the fact that they're so run-heavy is certainly surprising. And I didn't expect the defense to be – um, nearly this good. I was I was over this D line to be honest. I mean, it was good that they made the change in training camp between coaches, but I was looking at that as like a skeptical last gasp decision. I thought there was more talent on this D line than true production, and they've pleasantly surprised me with how damn good they are week after week. So I didn't think this is how it would look at all, but I'm sure you I'm also, glad that it's relevant. You also weren't a huge fan, if I remember right, of believing that Carson Wentz could get him there offensively. Were you? Or yeah, I, I thought I thought they would absolutely try to have him get him there, but I didn't think it would end up working out just because of what we've seen. I was pretty low on Carson, and I am still. I don't think they should go back to him. Uh, but yeah, for for this to be a team that tries to run the ball forty times a game and and barely target at times Curtis and Jahan, and only when they're desperate, uh, training camp Peter would not be uh, very uh, you know sure of himself if he saw this squad right now. Matthew. Yeah, I did think that the defense was going to be a bit better. I, I kind of remember being a little bit of the opposite of you guys, where I thought the offense was going to be worse and the defense was going to be better. But the way that the defense is better has surprised me a little bit. You know, the emergence of a guy like Derek Forrest has been really important for them. Getting rid of William Jackson, I think, has kind of sparked this defensive turnaround, even though it's not fair maybe to blame it all on one player. Um, the way that the season has turned around, I mean, Pete uh, – for the listeners out there, Pete and Sam and I have a uh, little group chat going on in the season. And Sam asked around, I think it was after they dropped maybe the Cowboys game. Sam was like, I can't tell if we're headed for the same season where they turn it on or not, or if they're like truly finished or trashed. And uh, not to expose myself here, but I said that they were trash and the, uh, yeah. you know, that they were done. And so, you know, I am surprised that they were able to rally like this. I know Rivera's teams always do it. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised, but I think that they've made legitimate strides in season now and kind of think they're good. And I, the one thing we don't want you right now, Matt, is for you to expose yourself. So I appreciate Oh, that. God, no. <laughs> so, and I know, like, Already. yeah, yeah. So that was like, I had to hold that joke in there for a few seconds to give you a chance to talk. But what do you think, what do you guys think has sparked the turnaround most? You want to go, Matt, start with them? Yeah, I, I think it's the defense. You know, we could say Taylor Heineke, the switch started there. They played better on offense. But really that defensive line, this defensive line, I think, is even playing better than they did in, in 2020. You know, you look at the improvements in Deron Payne's game. He's more of a pass rusher now. 
Jonathan Allen has continued to perform at, you know, last year was a career year. This year might be a career year. He's living up to that contract. And even a guy like Montez Sweat, you know, he's benefiting from the dominance on the interior. And, you know, I'm really interested to see what they do with this defense going forward because there's a legitimate argument now to pay Deron Payne. And I didn't think that necessarily at the start of the season. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I think it's uh, Brian Robinson's insertion into the lineup and then just the commitment to the entire identity. I think the D line is an excellent choice there, Matthew. Um, and I think your outfit is excellent as well. But, uh, you know, Brian, when he first came back, it, it wasn't the guy we saw in the summer. He looked unsure of himself. He didn't look nearly as powerful. But uh, that Eagles game felt like a real turning point where he had the 26 carries. It was only for 86 yards. But he just never gets tackled for loss. That allows this offense, while it's not anything close to explosive, to at least manage itself and stay on schedule. And uh, just once he's been in there, it's allowed Scott Turner and Ron Rivera to just dive headfirst into this we're going to ground and pound, eat up the clock, have third and threes, and just score You know, 20 points. It may not be pretty, but we're also going to keep the other team off the field so they can't supersede us. Do you think they could have gone to that identity before Robinson got like this? In other words, because the first four or five games when he wasn't really available and, and you you know the tight ends weren't as healthy, could they have turned to that identity then? Or do you think they just felt like, hey, you got the toys, go try and use them? Yeah, I think there was the temptation to really air it out. And when that Jacksonville game happened, they had four touchdowns and all those yards. It was like, oh, sweet. We're going to watch like a modern day offense. And then <laughs> they still kind of were stuck in that. They wanted to chase that glory. But then after Wentz goes down and, and Heineke going in, it, it necessitates more of a uh, the running back led offense. So I think the first four or five games without Robinson, it was cool. Let's do this. Let's let's play like an up-tempo offense. Their pass rate was really high, and Scott Turner was doing some creative things. But now we've regressed, or I don't know if it's regression is the right word, but are back to playing a little more safe, and that fits just the overall offense left. Hey, Sam, I know you've got – what, what kind of analytics you have to tie all this together here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the analytics is just the number of times that, that Scott Turner has, has called runs. I think there that you go. kind of going between – you know, those two guys like Taylor Heineke's magic, I think, is is a part of it, unquestionably. And uh, the ability like I think the defensive line is part of the reason they're playing well is because John Allen, uh, Deron Payne and Montez Sweat are all playing a career high rate of snaps. And I think you can only do that because the you know, the offense is keeping them off the field, you know, running the ball and, and kind of tying those two things, playing complimentary football, tying it together. I think that they could have done this sooner because they did it last year without Brian Robinson. They had Antonio Gibson in that role, particularly in the Tampa Bay game. But I, th I don't think that, you know, I, I know that Ron has said that they wanted to be a run first offense, a run heavy offense. And I'm kind of skeptical of that. <laughs> Nobody seems kinda. to be buying that. Yeah. Huh, weird. <laughs> you, uh, you, uh, and they had Jonathan, Will uh, Jonathan uh, Stewart and D'Angelo Williams. So he's always liked the two backs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I think like when you look at that Tennessee game, when Carson Wentz hit those two, you know, downfield throws to De'Ami Brown, it's like, oh, okay, like that's what you wanted to see. And I think, you know, for them to – for their offense to struggle in Chicago, I think there were so many reasons why you wanted to keep throwing the ball. But to not only go to Taylor and go all in on this approach, I think that is really why the season turned around. Yeah, and I – you know, it's funny though too because the other part of it is the offensive line, Were they are they in a better spot now even – Losing Tyler Larson to me is a big deal. And I think you'd all agree with that. Um, 
but can they still operate this way? Do you think it's a sustainable way to run? And, and it probably is better that than dropping back and trying to have them protect. You know, what do you think? Yeah, the, I mean, the offensive line, I think when you have those big interior guys, Norwell, Turner, and Larson, they're not like the athletic guys who can get out on screens or, or you know, kind of do things in space. And so when you think about running downhill with Brian Robinson, that's why – here's an analytic for you, Kyle. They, yeah, they, <laughs> they were stopped since week seven when Taylor Heineke came in. They've been stopped for zero yards or had a negative gain. 14% of the time, which is like the second lowest rate in right. the NFL. So they also hit explosive plays at one of the lowest rates in the league. So they're basically a high floor, low ceiling run game. It's just like, we're going to do this 40 times and we're going to sustain a couple drives. But then you also get the ones like in New York where you, you have eight an eight minutes. minute drive that does cross midfield. Right. Four, like, 40 that's yards, you're accepting. And this is the whole Ron Rivera and acids. Like, I'm, you know, I'm going to throw up like this, like you just leave so much to chance with this formula. Uh, but it's it's worked out fine, and, and they've benefited uh, from quite a bit of luck, I think, as well, which shouldn't which shouldn't be overlooked. And and I think that's I think and in this league, the way it is now, you're going to get that. If it, somebody had a stat the other day, like if you reversed all the one score games for each team and what happened, what their record would be, like the Vikings would be like one in ten or something like that. Mm -hmm. This team would be like four and eight, but that's part of the NFL. Matthew, Matt, Matt, Matthew, Perry. Matthew. I like Matthew. He's I do like Matthew. I have a Matt. My son He's is formal. Matthew. I always call him Matthew. But um, Mr. Paris, <clears throat> how much how much of this does Taylor Heineke, what level of credit does he deserve in all this? I think it does a lot. You know, it's funny. Sometimes I've tweeted after these games that he's played fine and everyone's in my mentions like, fine, he was bad. But for his standards, it's been fine. You know, maybe I'm just kind of brainwashed from the past few years, but like I'm so used to seeing like absolutely terrible quarterback play that when it's slightly above that, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is competent. You know, this is what it should be like, even if it's not like that elsewhere. But I think he's done, you know, th that magic that Sam referred to earlier. It is that is like a thing that it exists. Maybe it, I, I think it can be boiled down maybe in some like EPA, you know, that the turnovers things are no, no EPA, Sam. I mean, uh, the fact that he avoids sacks is helpful, but there's yeah. you can't qualify that. But, okay, even that is a huge thing. I mean, think about where this it offense is. was uh, earlier in the year with Carson Wentz. You know, a lot of their offensive momentum was disrupted because Carson Wentz took a, you know, a really big sack or the offensive line didn't do its job. So, you know, they are playing better under him. And I think getting Terry McLaurin back in this offense too, making it a priority to throw to him over and over, seems like their chemistry has yeah. been really strong. And I think that's an important part of it too. What do you think? Credit for that. Yeah. What do you think, Pete? Yeah. The, the fourth quarter stuff is really important. Um, and you'd like it to be more present in the first, second and third quarters, but I don't know if the Indianapolis win happens without him. I don't think the giants tie happens without him. Um, and I'm just, I think the game he played that's been underrated was the Monday nighter in Philly. The only interception he threw that night, I feel like was his only interceptable ball. There have been other games where he throws five or six and maybe one gets picked off. But I thought that night, he was really, really smart. He hit downfield throws to McLaurin or Samuel over the middle. Like it wasn't bombs away, but he would have 20 to 25 yarders on key third downs. And if they could somehow get that Taylor Heineke back, then I think this offense can take another step. The Taylor they have right now, it's it's going to come down to the final couple minutes and it's going to be very, very slim margins. But if you get Philadelphia Taylor, I think those margins increase a little bit more. And a key to that 
was that was the night they were converting third downs at a ridiculous right. rate. And that was because the running game was so good. But then you were also still getting these third and twos, third and threes. Even in the past weeks where they've been three of 14 or one of 11, they haven't been getting those short yardage third downs. So it becomes about can Taylor and this offense convert those third and shorts, which then lets them stay on the field longer. And this whole ecosystem really flourishes. And that's a good point. And the other play in that game that was huge was a snap over the head and him getting yep. rid of the ball and not, and they, cause they scored on that drive. You're not scoring if he doesn't make that play. That's another benefit to him in that game. What do you think, Sam? I think, I mean, certainly those heads up awareness plays, even like the, you know, kneeling at the end and getting that to seal the game, that's been big as well. I think the two things that have been different from Taylor that we didn't see last year is he's been a lot more inaccurate. Um, I think that he was last year throwing off target more. You saw that last week, um, you know, missing Logan Thomas in the red zone. I think the red zone struggles um, play a part of that. I think part of that uh, could be play calling. Ron Rivera said, you know, he thought it was their first downs in the red zone. I think a part of it could be um, Taylor's inaccuracy or or his arm strength. You know, I still think those tight window throws are, are tough for him. Uh, but to me, those are probably the two biggest differences from the Taylor that we saw last year. He's also not scrambling as much, especially in the last few weeks. And the scrambling, as we mentioned, you know, the sack avoidance is a big part of it, but his ability to turn what would that's be an incompletion str- right, is, is normally his strength. And we hit, for whatever reason, he has not done it uh, as much as he did in the past in the last couple of weeks. And I think that's, you know, putting a cap on the ceiling of the offense as well. And, you know, it's, I'm glad you brought that up, too, because, like, to me, when people bring up his legs, they want to see more zone reads. No, the zone reads not going to change this offense, but his ability to make plays outside the pocket can lead to big plays. And I always think that that's been where he has excelled is when he can improvise like that. And it's funny you bring up the red zone because, like, one of the things I've been doing this week, in addition to reading interesting um, 300-page depositions, is, is going back and looking at the red zone. And one of the things that to me has been noticeable is that there have been guys, John Bates was open uh, last week, Jahan Dotson breaks open in the back of the end zone in that first series. But I also think that he's, it feels like he's making more of a conscious effort to take care of the ball there. So if it's not hundred percent perfect to him, that he doesn't see a perfect right now, he's not going to throw. So, you know what I mean? And I think that's been, I think that's been a part of it. Um, just being more cautious with the ball in the red zone. So I don't, have you seen that, Sam? Have you stu- have you looked at that? I, I thought, I mean, I think that the decision-making is a part of that. And there was a throw up the seam to Bates, I want to say like two weeks ago that he, he was late. He was late on it, right. And I think that's a part of it. And maybe like what you're seeing is decision-making. Yeah. I'm seeing well, as, as partially arm strength as well. But I think like maybe both of those things. I think, I think what it is, it's not throwing it until I know he's open versus throwing him open and risking like, Maybe because, like, for example, last week the safety goes with Terry McLaurin. You see it and you say, Okay, this guy should be open, and that's Dotson because the safety's not there. But if I throw with blind trust, what if he's what if somebody's there? And then it's like, Why'd you throw that ball? Well, because you know, so I think there's some, I definitely think there's some of that going on and trying to be more cautious, careful with the ball in that game that you could have used those four points. So, you know, and that's the only thing. Do you got let me let's look at you know. With him going forward, do you believe that he'll be in there the rest of the season? Do you guys believe that, Matthew? Yeah, I think so. I, I, part of me is like it's going to be really. I don't know how really risky is the right way to put it, but and I know Carson's played in a hundred plus NFL games, but putting a guy in who hasn't played in a couple months in the middle of a crucial playoff stretch, like is that worth interrupting whatever you have with Taylor? Like if you weren't going to do it at the bye, I don't know if you can do it with two games left, and maybe 
that's just me thinking and the coaches don't view it that way. But I think that could be risky to interrupt the flow of the offense. And if Carson has a game where he needs to find himself and you might just waste that weekend with a chance to maybe get a victory because this guy's rusty. But also, I think the O-line issues will increase the importance of Taylor's mobility and Carson just doesn't have that. And when pressure's in his face, it looked like he would recede and just fall backward. And there's been times where Taylor does that too, but there are also times when Taylor knows where the check down is better or yeah. knows that he can step up and run around. So between the, the necess- necessity of, you know, having Carson warm up versus Taylor's just placement in the locker room and also his understanding of the offense, I don't think it makes sense for Carson to go in unless there's an injury. What do you think, Matt? Right. Well, I think the argument for playing Carson Wentz, like back a few weeks ago, was that you invested so many resources in him in the offseason. You wanted to see if he could be your quarterback for next year still. Well, that argument doesn't really apply anymore because, you know, the, the season is now. So you can't really evaluate for the future if you put Wentz back in there. So it makes sense to to keep with Heineke and, you know, uh, all the things that Pete just mentioned, that the offense seems to have a distinct identity um, and I just look at the slate and I don't really see a game where, you know, Heineke could have a meltdown anytime theoretically, but I don't really see an opponent that where does Carson Wentz really elevate you compared to Heineke? I don't. That's a good that point. Is. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But I'm also curious from your end too. Are we going to see Chase Young? Uh, I have I have sworn off Chase Young predictions. I, Same. I not Same I don't know how anybody could. <laughs> we will see him. I don't know if we'll see him play, but we'll he'll be see him when we see him. Exactly. So we all yeah. we're all there. We'll see him when we see him. Right? Yeah. Giant no question mark. Okay. There you go. Like there's. I think that the, I think that the optimism could be partly real like oh you know we have conversations with chase every week he feels good we're gonna see him go then the illness happens or whatever else happens but i think a part of this could be strategic i think that they totally could know that he's not playing that week and ron could still be like yeah he's he's absolutely playing to force brian dable as he said in his press conference the other day to spend 20 minutes or 40 minutes on preparing for chase but as far as are we going to say chase young play this year i have no idea there. And I, I think we're all there, so I don't think it's worth going around to do this. What about, like, let's look over the final four games. What do you think happens? I mean, is this team going to be in the playoffs, Pete? I think they will be, and I think the tie dampened the enthusiasm a little bit, but I think they'll come back and get the Giants uh, next Sunday at FedEx Field, the, the most beautiful stadium in the National Football League, and I <laughs> missed it already. Um, and then, you know, I, I don't know if the Niners game is is – as easy as one would think just because of their quarterback change like that team is so good top to bottom and could still do huge damage in the playoffs um but between i think the the three games after that it's a couple of toss-ups and if you win two of those four you feel pretty good and if this team gets hot and maybe catches dallas at the, the end of the year if they have nothing to play for which feels a little unlikely but maybe you get three out of four and you really burst your way in but um i like their chances quite a bit um, it's dumb, but I think this team is built for December and January football <laughs> with the D line and the running game. And I think, um, and also Ron and this coaching staff last year at that bye week 
made some really key adjustments and boosted them to that four game winning streak right after the bye. And we've heard the the little thing about Scott Turner with extra time to prepare what he can come up with. This bye week gives them a chance to self scout and figure out a couple of maybe advantages they could find. So I think they'll come back healthier. They'll come back recharged. They'll have some new wrinkles and they play some opponents they can take advantage of. And I will say, and I will say before we go on, like we are taping this on Fridays, this is going to run early in the following week. So whatever happens Sunday, we don't know at this point. Go ahead, Matt. I was just going to say congrats, Pete, by breaking out into an ESPN type of personality. You just became the Colts next head coach. So. You're going to be my play caller, Paris. Actually, no, I want Sam. Sam is really smart. I want Sam. All you just need is the uh, the National Football League lingo to you yep. need to drop one of those in. What's your prediction, Matt? Matt? You're going to start yeah. talking. Keep finishing, man. Yeah, please. Uh, I'm only here for bits. No. Uh, so I, I do think they're going to make the playoffs, and I actually think the tie kind of helps them. You know, mm-hmm. everyone kind of viewed it as a disappointing result. It could be in the long run, but you look at last year, the Steelers, they were 9-7-1. and one. The other teams behind them were nine and eight. That tie made a huge difference. I think it could. I really think it's between either these guys, the 49ers, or the Seahawks, depending on how the NFC West shakes out. You know, I just pulled up the, the Seahawks schedule. They have, uh, yeah, they have the Panthers, they have the Niners, they have the Chiefs, the Jets, who are playing well, and then they close on the Rams. So, you know, it, it's not the toughest stretch, it's not the easiest stretch, but. You know, they have a couple wins where you say like it's it's different. Like yeah, Kansas City and and the Chief and and the Niners are going to be tough. But go on. I think the Jets too. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Especially be with Mike White. Yeah, that'll be a position. So, you know, I I kind of like these guys to make it as a seventh seed, but I haven't booked uh, my trip to Minnesota. Let's put it that way. Or... How about Glendale? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that that goes without saying. I did fill out a Super Bowl credential the other day. That that was an actual thing that happened for some reason. What do you think, Sam? Uh, I think that they will make the playoffs as a six or seven seed, and I understand that that is an important part of Ron Rivera taking a step forward, um, you know, actualizing the the promise that he said before the year, that that um, the, the growth that he wants to see in terms of, of his tenure here. But I think just to kind of be a little different from, from what those guys said, because I think they covered it really well, one of the most interesting things to me is can they secure their playoff spot by the last week of the season because I think if you do that you give yourself an opportunity to perhaps play Sam Howell because I do think that if if you go into this offseason without having seen him play you're in a difficult position because I think that Taylor and Carson are not the answer here long term and the only guy that you could potentially see in that role is Sam Howell so but can you play him if if these games matter for postseason seating I don't think so I, I don't think you can sell that to the team but hey if the, the last week of the regular season, you have your six or seven seed locked up. Can you then say, hey, we want to see what this guy is, so we're going to put him out there. I think that could be uh, a really big deal. Um, and and maybe like he's it. not the guy, for sure, but I think that you're just in the same position if you don't see him. I think I hear you on that. Yeah. I, I just – sorry, kind of interrupt you on your own podcast, but I just think one game, one way or the other, like if he plays well, you can't be like, all right, cool, our whole offseason's changed, and if he plays poorly, you can't be like, this guy's the right. scrub. I. I like the idea, but I don't know if four quarters is a big enough sample size, and I know sample size matters too. So. I, and I would I would tend to agree with. I think it'd be good to get him experience to watch himself on film and just to go from there. I think for him, it's all it's going to be what do they think of his development from 
the time OTA started to the end of camp to the, to that point, and is he accelerated enough? And I do think that they like him. I mean, they drafted him, and they would have drafted him earlier had they needed a quarterback. Um, but so I think they do like him. I do think he's an intriguing guy moving forward, and it'd be good to get him some experience. But I don't know if you could draw great conclusions from that. But I do think you could at least give him some experience and say, okay. You know, there are some there will be some things you can draw upon, but you don't want to you don't want to go overboard one way or another in case, like like Pete said, he goes in there and he doesn't play well. Then it's like, well, you don't want to say because he does have skills. Sure. I, if we're talking sample size, four quarters is greater than zero quarters is all I'm saying. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree. Like, I think it'd be a good thing to get him some time. I just if he doesn't play well, you don't want to go overboard the other the other way. So have you guys and we'll just close with this. Like, have you guys seen the growth? Ron talked about that year three. Have you seen that year three growth? And what's been, has there been a bigger area for the team development that has like lead you to believe maybe look at the future a little bit differently? The the thing that stands out to me, and I'm sorry to jump ahead, but no, go ahead, I think the, uh, the getting rid of the, here we go again mentality, which I think has been, was ingrained before he got here and uh, was a thing the first two years. I, I think that's a, a big part of it. And I think, that committing to the run and having, you know, an identity and building that confidence. I think those are things that uh, you can't really quantify, but, but do seem to have a tangible effect on the locker room. I think, you know, we've all seen that going in there every day Uh, when they, when they have something that they excel at and and you can, you can say, Hey, you know, we're going to go into this game and this is how we're going to win. Even against a heavily favored opponent like Philly. uh, I think that's a a step forward and, and, you know, you're not you're you're not cont- you're not a Super Bowl contender, but you are at least competitive with most teams in the league, and I think that's a step forward. I think the three years in a row, this team hasn't stopped playing hard, hasn't stopped competing. That matters, and that's unquantifiable. But I think Ron's biggest strength is keeping the locker room united and focused and always in it, and that's progress. But I'm torn on this because it's year three, and just like it was in year one. They're fighting their asses off to make the playoffs. They have a really narrow formula for doing so. And that's what this team was to begin with. Like we haven't necessarily found the quarterback, which matters the most. And while there's been nice developments with Derek Forrest and Benjamin St. Juice and Jamin Davis and, and, and all these guys, like the player development has been pretty encouraging. It doesn't feel like this team is much closer to competing for a Super Bowl. Sure. Going from one and four to this feels amazing and I'm relishing it, but the big picture wise, I don't know how much giant progress has been made in three years. And that's a long time in the NFL. Matt, before you answer, Sam, does your hat say happiness is being married? It does. Okay. I'm just, I'm just checking. Sam's had a big bye week and he hasn't told us. Yeah. Yet. What What have you not told us? <laughs> I, I figured we were doing this on video. I want, you know, I always try to come with, with an extra element. Okay. Thank you for doing that. All right, Matt, <laughs> yeah, you want to close really on noticeable. That? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we waited until the 30 minute mark of this podcast to i didn't i just noticed what it said i couldn't tell um you know i think the mo- the the thing that i think is sustainable past this season is the defense depending on what happens with you know deron Payne isn't going to necessarily make or break that defense but i think they have a foundation of on this defensive line that if you look at ron's teams in carolina uh you know that that was a if you look at like the growth in those years, and I know it's not a perfect one-to-one parallel, but those defenses were pretty good throughout his 10 years until the end. I think that's sustainable. The offense is the the big question for me, though. I don't necessarily know if they can keep doing this, even though they have that run-first identity. They've 
you know, gone into that this year as the season's progressed. They're going to have to address quarterback sooner or later. Um, if we if we do follow the bronze pattern, though, they'll go like seven, nine, and one next year. And uh, <laughs> I've already written my gamers. Hey, all right, last tell people where they can follow you guys. Pete Haley, NBCS, and that's all I care about. Please find me on Twitter because I and, and the podcast. Uh, yeah, and Washington Football Talk podcast. There you go, Sam. Uh, Sam, S A M, the number four T R on Twitter. Um, you could have also followed Pete Haley's props on TikTok once upon a time, but all right, Pete. I don't plug. I don't. I forgot that about anymore. that. Yeah, me too. I usually, I usually see the TikTok stuff three months later on Instagram. So, yeah, <laughs> Matt. Well, I made a TikTok for you, John. If you want the login, I know. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to see your TikToks, but yeah. tell people. What oh no, it's on. yours. It's at John Kime. I have you. <laughs> no, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Matthew underscore Paris P A R A S. And uh, you can read my work in the Washington Times. Washington Times. And if you ever need to know how many seats are in FedEx Field, Paris has the exact number. He uh, always and, knows. Yes, yes, he does. And you can always see the Washington Times headlines during the game at FedEx. So there you go. Yep. Hey, guys, thanks a lot for doing this. Always enjoy it. You guys are great. Do a good job. So thank you very much. We'll do thanks, it before guys. the Super Bowl. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Matt. Sam and Pete for joining me. Always enjoy talking to these guys. They bring in a good perspective. So I always appreciate them joining me. And thank you as always for listening. I'll be back on Thursday with a special guest. Don't want to say yet. I want to tape it first, but I'll be back on Thursday with another podcast. So I will talk to you next time.